forever. Dog. Just between us. Hey. Just between us. Hey. Hello. I'm Allison Raskin. I'm a writer, mental health advocate, and I'm Omicron boosted, baby. Hi, I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and um, available to try things as a guy. If you leave me to go become a try guy, I will never forgive you. And I have forgiven you for quite a few things. And that, I'm sorry. You can't abandon me to be a try guy. But what if you come and be the new tri-wife? Look, I'm not going to take a big demotion from being one part of a duo to being your fake wife on your foursome. No thanks. Here's the problem is that you kind of already are my fake wife. <laughs> that was, you were, remember on that TikTok thing where they were like, they, they were saying like what happened to certain BuzzFeed people. And then they were like, um, Gabby is still with their girlfriend. And then you were so upset because you were like, they didn't even say my, they, not that they, they knew my new pronouns. They knew that we were still together or they thought we were dating and they thought we had been dating this whole time and they didn't know your name. They just thought you were my girlfriend. Look, I'm not even convinced they were talking about me. Really? Yeah. Maybe they did. Yeah. I don't they know. Said whatever. I can believe whatever I with want. Their- <laughs> oh my God. Um, well, this is just between us, a variety show filled with heartfelt advice ridiculous games and brutal honesty um i don't want to bring the vibe down but i i am newly back in la from florida i went to florida uh and i know that a lot of you guys longtime listeners and um people who maybe this episode spoke to you um we did an episode last year with my aunt michelle dunn baker uh about her experience with my uncle and um, finding out like 10 months into their marriage that he was HIV positive in 1987 and the sort of journey that they went on thinking he was going to die within a year and a half. They were together for 35 plus years. He did pass away last week and it was not surprising, but it was like a little surprising that it happened so quickly because he got stomach cancer And then there was just like, you know, on top of his AIDS diagnosis, there were just a million other things going on. And like normally from AIDS, you don't pass from AIDS, but you pass from having a compromised immune system um, and then something else happens. So I went home the whole I mean, the whole like two weeks beforehand were really difficult. And then um, because he was passing and then we didn't know if I should go home, what I should do. Should I talk to him? Should I not talk to him? Like. And and, and to, to preface, I'm very close with my aunt and uncle. They're my godparents. And also, like, my aunt and I are just, like, very close friends. And so I'm super, super close with them. I don't have a big family. So it's, like, my parents and then my aunt and uncle are sort of the only other adults. Adults. You know what I mean? And they, I mean, if you listen to that episode, they were, like, a couple who was completely obsessed with each other, like very in love, barely fought. She told me one time that someone was like, you think your husband is so perfect. And she was like, he is perfect. Like, and like, she knew obviously that he wasn't perfect, but like they, they were like, you know, it's not like, I don't mean to say that like couples that aren't good together, like should die, 
But like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like a couple that like is like in their 70s and they still love each other and they're like obsessed with each other. And like they there's there's no. And then it's like that that's who passes away. It just seems like incredibly unfair. So then I went home and it was like really harrowing and bad. And like there were a lot of factors, but like also just that she's really upset and also just the strangeness of like okay now another family member that I'm close to and also we're Mal and I are planning the wedding and it's like Mal's side of the family is like 40 people and my side is like seven people and like so you just feel the absence more and he was like a really really I posted this on my Instagram but he was like a really really interesting and like good guy and like you know, survived, like did all these treatments, survived um, past his, the the date he thought he, they thought he would die um, in the eighties. Like, you know, as a, a straight man with HIV in the eighties, he was like a total oddity and people were telling Michelle to leave him and like all this stuff. And they ended up staying together and, and then he had, you know, 35 years. So and he was on, he, he like was on Larry King talking about like all the treatments that he had done and stuff. But um, he was just like a very interesting spiritual guy. And like the stuff that is making me like the, the most upset is like the little things. Like when I was trying to write about him, you know, like the, the stuff that was like hitting me the most is, you know, saying broad strokes his life. And then also saying like, you know, he had this like, little affectation when he spoke where he would say what he wanted to say and then he would say and in other words and then say the exact same thing again and like that's just like you know this like little thing that you start to think about like you're never going to hear that again you know or like like he would always say things were terrific and like just like these these kind of quirks and stuff that you're like oh that's not like that's not going to happen anymore which sounds very strange maybe or small, I don't know. I don't think that sounds small. Those are the yeah. things that make people uniquely Unique. themselves. Yeah. And it was one of the nephews, his nephews got up and gave a eulogy and his eulogy was just all the weird words that Stephen made up and then all the definitions of them. So, which was really nice. So like, he was like, he went through and he was like, okay, so there's something called a shmooly. And a shmooly <laughs> is when a shmooly is when you get a redo on the golf course. So they'll like play like shmooly rules, which is like if you, you know, or like, which is made up or like calling people wackadoos and stuff or like just little like affectations that. And so for some reason, like that's the stuff that is like getting me the most is like the. Like we went into his his bedroom and all the nephews and and Cheyenne and I were taking he has like a lot of hats, baseball caps, and we were going through the hats to like each of us took one. And it was like 45 different Boston Red Sox caps in different colors. <laughs> and it was that puts just Ken Raskin to shame and he's got like hundreds of baseball hats. <laughs> I was like, no, there were baseball caps of other things, just the Boston Red Sox. And I was like, he needed one in every color, every color, every design, every. And so like we were kind of like all chuckling going through, like, you know, like it was like, what a weird 
not a quirk, but you know what I mean? Also, I was my first funeral sober, which I, mm. I don't, re- I, I, I don't recommend. <laughs> uh, it was not good because I've been going through sobriety being like, it's not even that hard. I don't know why people are like, you know, and then I went to a wedding and a funeral all in one week, completely sober. And I was like, I want to die. So yeah, I, it's, yeah, it's like, and it, you know, what's been freeing and I'm sure maybe you agree with this, Allison is like, people have been like, Hey, how are you? And I've been like bad, actually. <laughs> yeah. Not good. You know, cause the instinct is to say, Oh yeah, you know, it's hard, but we're okay. Or like, it's fine. Like I've just been trying this new thing where people are like, Hey, how, how are you? Go- how's it doing after this? You know? And I'm like bad, actually rough, uh, not good, tough. Uh, Uh, They're like, hi, how's your aunt? It's like, you want to be like, she's hanging in there. But I'm like, she's not great. So I think maybe that's helpful. Why? Why cover it up? You know, if somebody's asking you, like, you know, there's a difference between a cashier asking you how your day is and someone who knows what's going on checking in on you. Yeah. I think the instinct is to say, oh, you know, we're getting through it. But I've just been like, "Uh, no, it's not good. (laughs) How people handled that better actually like more there's more to say or more to talk mm-hmm. about or they're like oh well ha- you know what's happening or what you know that there's more it's when you're vulnerable with other people they'll be vulnerable back usually it's wild how that works i know fun thing <laughs> to learn at 34 but i'm proud of you i'm proud of you for for holding all of this for not feeling like you have to cover it up and and for getting through the the, the funeral sober because I know that's something you really care about and want to continue. Yeah. I was so all everyone was drinking after the funeral mm. and at the Shiva and stuff. And I was like, <sighs> just like sucking down diet Cokes, watching everyone get a little drunk being like, <laughs> but you didn't. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what it's going to be. It's all up in the air. Well, grief takes, you know, takes on a life of its own and you can't ever predict what it's going to feel like or how long the worst of it will last and the worst will come back. And then you'll have, you know, I think it's like, you know, if you're able to find moments of joy, like allow yourself that don't feel guilty about it because the grief will will come back. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) just enjoying the times when you can. My aunt's very sad, but she's also like, she's like kind of, she was like, Oh, the, the, like, you know, credit card company will call me and start to say something. And she's like, and I've just started being like, my husband is dead. <laughs> like, I've just started being like, I don't want to talk to you. My husband died. And I was like, that excuse will take you decades. You can just use that. Someone will be like, why, why did you do this? And you can just say, my husband is dead and no one will bother you ever again. <laughs> True. That's right out of a Curb Your Enthusiasm exactly. <laughs> episode. Exactly. So that's just an update. And if you want to hear that episode with her, and also she has a fantastic book. If you're a a publisher and you're listening to this and you want to read her book, hit me up. The book is uh, really great. And it's about this whole journey. That's all. Well, thank you for sharing with us. Thanks. We've got a a juicy episode for everyone today. Yeah. Well, so, so timely. Um, because we recorded this on September 30th and we have uh, Ella Hart, our former co-worker, BuzzFeed Ella, on the show. And this is the week that this big BuzzFeed scandal broke. So we're going to get into that with her, but also about mental health and sharing yourself online and 
um, her own journey with uh, bipolar disorder, too. So it was really, really good conversation. And later we'll be discussing the fundamental attribution error, which Mm. I swear we will explain during that segment. (laughs) (laughs) But first, we have got to answer a listener's question. And you know what that means? Hit it! International question! International question! International question! Mimi, Washington. Ooh. I was just in Washington this past weekend with a quinkadink. All right, here we go. I love that we start with a disclaimer. I, I looked at this and I thought that like one of you added this disclaimer, but it's like, no, like our incredible fans are like, disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Disclaimer, this is kind of a long one. I tried to condense it as much as possible while also maintaining what I think are important aspects of this situation. I love you all in JBU and the advice you give other listeners. So even if you don't read this one, just know you've both already helped me so much. Thank you. TLDR. I'm in a long distance situationship with someone I was obsessed with in high school. I am afraid to admit my true feelings to him due to the past and our current stages of life. How do I get past the fear of being vulnerable with someone I care about? I, female, 24, had a two-year-long crush on this guy, male, 23, in high school. It was really bad, like to the point where I got drunk for the first time in my college town, called him, and left him very cringy voicemails. Do you remember I Hate You, I Love You by Ganache? Is that is it Ganache? Nash, I think. Nash? <laughs> I really don't know, but I love the Judaism of Ganache. <laughs> Ganache, we're look. Are we cool? No, and we never said we were. It's <laughs> their G. Okay. Yeah, saying that through the phone, embarrassing is an understatement. I got over it within a few months, though, and didn't really think too much about him until mid twenty twenty when he started messaging me out of the blue. We started talking pretty platonically and sporadically at this point. But come summer twenty twenty one, he and I were both in our hometowns at the same time, and he asked me if I would like to hang out. We ended up spending every second of our time together until we went back to school. This has become a pattern for us where we will act like an actual couple whenever we're around each other and continue to message each other daily when we're apart. There was an unspoken understanding that we would still casually date other people while we were apart. This system worked really well, in my opinion, as it helped keep me some emotional distance from him. Uh That is until I graduated from college and moved back home. Since then, it's been really hard to think of him in this stage of his life where he's able to meet and date his peers while I am living with my parents and I'm uninterested in the men in my area. Sure. I recently went on a week-long solo trip to California, about an hour and a half from where he's living. He drove down to see me. We did all the touristy shit together, again, presenting as an in-love, head-over-heels, obsessed-with-each-other couple. We ended up driving up to his college town where I met all his friends. He had apparently told them all about me and they loved me and the PDA did not stop around them. He even told his mom that he would be seeing me and told me that she asked if he was thinking of marrying me due to how often we try to see each other despite the the distance. Hmm. This made me feel really secure in what we had going on. I have ridiculously strong feelings for him. I've been fantasizing about our relationship would be like if I were to move down to his area. Mm. Maybe not the healthiest thing, but I'm at a point in my life where I would really like to have a stable long-term relationship. I was already planning on moving to California in the next year and a half or so anyway. The issue is that I have a really hard time being vulnerable. And my subconscious keeps bringing up my past obsession, which makes me feel like an idiot for falling for him again in the first place. 
On the other hand, the idea of him still casually dating someone other than me makes me physically ill. How do I get over this fear of telling him how I feel and what I want, despite the fact that he might not feel the same way? Okay, I was so against this guy. And then once we got to the end, I was like, okay, I get it. (laughs) Why were you against the guy? I was like literally going into like, if he wanted to, he would. Like I was going, I was like, uh, and then like towards the end when she asked like actually a really like intelligent and self-aware and vulnerable question, then I was like, okay, I've changed my mind on this situation entirely. Um, so <laughs> I basically, I think it's a, it's a matter of you don't ask, you don't get. Like if, if you have all this stuff that's unspoken and you're making assumptions, you're not going to get what you want. If you don't ask, to be in a relationship, if you don't ask for him not to see other people, you're not going to get it. So it's, you have to weigh the the stress of vulnerability and the the stress of, of him maybe not feeling the same way against the stress of never saying something and against the stress of like not, not being in a relationship that you want to be in. And also like he might be feeling the same way and he just doesn't want to say that to you. Although I do think it is a huge love bombing red flag when they say that they they told their mom about marrying you, because I just think that a lot of men who've tried to love bomb me have done that. And when they bring up like maybe we'll get married, they're full of shit, especially if you're not in an official relationship. If a man starts talking about marrying you before he says that you're his girlfriend, he's uh, love bombing and don't believe anything he says. But because... That you don't, that's not a thing that you talk about unless you're in a relationship. I'm sorry. I guess he was saying his mom asked about it. Why is he sharing that with you? Yeah. Why is yeah. he telling you that? And why is he making it seem like you're like his mom is whatever. I, I, if you're not in an official relationship and he's involving his mom to make you feel secure in a certain way, goodbye. But I do think he, even if he doesn't feel the same way, like you have to rip the bandaid off and ask at this point. Like you have to, because you can't keep doing this because you said you're having, you're physically ill about certain parts of it. And I know that you want to stay in this like bubble, this like fantasy bubble where it's like, we we don't have to talk about anything. And this is all just like working out perfectly and magically, but you have to communicate. You have to make sure you're on the exact same page. Otherwise this is going to be very painful for you. And I think there's also like a lot of work that maybe needs to be done in separating who you were in high school from who you are now. Definitely. Right? Like we've all done cringy things. We've all left that voicemail, maybe not that same song, but versions of songs and uh-huh. rambles and bananas, Facebook messages that I could pull up. But <laughs> like, I think that like, maybe you're too attached to this old version of you and feeling like that you're in the same place or that he views you the same way, which obviously isn't true because he's the one who reinitiated mm-hmm. interacting with you and like seems to like you and like has prioritized you, you know, in, in different ways without even being in a official relationship with you. So I think just like allowing yourself to say like that, that's not me. Like, and that's also allowing anymore. yourself to say, I'm older now and I'm able to have like a potentially stronger sense of self. So I think that like when we have fallen really hard for somebody, when we're like younger and more vulnerable, it can feel really scary to then engage in a real relationship with them because you think you're going to just like backslide. And if things don't work out, that you'll have the same level of reaction that you might have had as a teenager. But the reality is, is like, you know, there's so much self-work that can be done so that like it's not that 
if things don't end well, you'll be totally fine and walk away unscathed, but it won't be the same level of despair Mm -hmm. that maybe you at 17 would have felt. Exactly. And like Gabby said, like, you just gotta, you just gotta risk it. Like the the thing about relationships is like they're, they're inherently vulnerable. They're inherently risky. And you can either separate yourself and become a hermit and never engage in a relationship and just protect yourself at all costs, you know, losing out on a lot of wonderful experiences. Or you can say, look, I'm going to be like all these other people around me who are being vulnerable, who it's not like anyone, like every single person that you see in a relationship is taking this step and this risk. And like, you don't look at them and think if the things don't work out, their lives will be over. Right. Like, I think mm-hmm. that like when it's to us, it's like, but but I can't handle it. I I would fall apart. I couldn't possibly. But it's like you could. You just yeah. haven't gone through that experience yet. But like when it happens, you will be able to handle it. Mm-hmm. You will get through it. It'll suck. But it's just part of life. And like having a little more faith in yourself and your ability to handle things and also allowing yourself to go after what you want, right? Because mm-hmm. like you don't want to live a life where you don't engage in life because and you you're never afraid. know and you might never know. Yeah. And we have regrets that you never asked. And being vulnerable is also a muscle. So like if you're someone who like struggles with that, it doesn't mean that your relationship with vulnerability will remain the same. Like the more that you get used to being vulnerable with another person, the more natural it is, the easier it becomes. And it's a lot just like training yourself to learn how to do that. And I think it's like, you know, it's exciting and and you're you're young like it's not like if things don't work out with this guy you're screwed right <laughs> right, like the, right right like the stakes the, the stakes are high because you care but also like this is just a part of life this is yeah. like a risk worth taking mm-hmm. he has i think put enough of himself on the line for you to now take that next step to say like why don't we really try this mm-hmm. and if it ends up where he's not in the same place as you Well, then he was leading you on and it's better that you know that now. Yeah. I also think like your obsession with him in high school, he's not the same person he was. Mm -hmm. He's different. He's he's not that same guy. So like letting go of the fantasy that this is like that same guy that you've somehow magically gotten, like he's different. He's flawed. Hopefully you've seen that at this point, you know, and um, he's a different person. And also, like, you know, I don't know, things start cringily. My the way that I met Mal, the way that I first went after Mal, I was wasted. Like <laughs> I went after Mal and I made such a terrible first impression. And um, and they were always in the back of my mind as like someone I wanted to be with. And they never were interested until they were interested. <laughs> so, you know, like things things are imperfect and you don't have to hold on to how it was back then, you know? And actually, if you feel like you are, like if you feel like you are still putting him on this pedestal and it's this sense of like, I can't believe I got him. Like that can be kind bad. of it's bad. It could be not the best for like having a balanced dynamic. Yeah. Um, and so just like really focusing on who he is now, who you are now, what you want, like you're allowed to like, I don't know, I think that there's like such a big sense of like, Oh, but if I make this one mistake, then my entire life will unravel. And it's like, or you could just try moving to California, give this relationship a shot and see what happens. Right. (laughs) Exactly. See what happens. See what, allow yourself to see what happens. This is what I always say. No decision is a decision. Like making, not making any choices to move forward in your life or, or just picking one is a decision because the decision is to do nothing. 
And you can't live life that way. The the life keeps coming and don't stop coming. And it's not like you're uh, like completely emotionally safe now, right? You're already yeah. feeling yucky feelings and worry. And so it's not like this is a perfect situation that you're going to rock the boat with. Like it, it's what you're the ground that you're on right now is not sustainable. So you either got to hop to the side of being in a relationship or hop to the side of having clarity that that's not where it's heading. Yeah. And you'll be OK either way. Oh, my God. So let us know what happens. Please do. <laughs> if you want to submit your international question, you can send it to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. Up next, we've got an exciting interview with our highly esteemed guest, Ella Hart. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting. Tough questions. This week on the show, our guest is Ella Hart, a digital content producer and social strategist who has worked for companies like, I don't know, I've never heard of this, BuzzFeed, <laughs> uh, Netflix, and Instagram. Hello, Ella. Hi. Woohoo. Happy to be here. Now, BuzzFeed, what is that? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, you know, at this point, you know, you could say it's a quiz. You could say <laughs> it's a YouTube channel, a Snapchat account. I, at this sure. point, it's uh, an internet sensation, kind of. Sure. What, <laughs> and what a week for you to be our guest. You know, I know. What a week. Oh, my gosh. What a week. <laughs> we did not plan this. No. No, this has been scheduled for like a month or more. Because <laughs> this is we're recording. We're recording this on on September 30th. And this was the week that some pretty um, significant drama broke I about know. some of our old coworkers. I know. But I don't know. I get uncomfortable talking about it because I'm like, I, I want to talk more broadly about like what it is like to share your life on the yeah, Internet. Yeah. Because I think that like what happened this week really shows that like there is this really difficult thing between like who you are and like your persona and how close you are to that persona. And, you know, all of us have struggled with our mental health mm -hmm, and like mm -hmm. what it is like to be on social media when you're struggling yeah. with your mental health. And so I don't know. I feel like that that's a way and that makes me feel. Yeah. Even though I want to just do a deep dive gossip <laughs> no. session. Yeah. I mean, I feel there's like enough of that. There's <laughs> that's for off mic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I mean, it's interesting because we all worked at BuzzFeed during like people call like something like the golden era of like, I want to say YouTube, but like it was definitely a scene, you know, like we really came up during like mm -hmm. a time when there was extreme growth and like a lot of people became interested in this type of content. And it's so funny now because pe pe like people will come up to me and they're like, when I was in middle school, I loved watching oh. you. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what? <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> like, But I feel like we no. were, like, a part of, like, a niche sitcom, you know? Like, mm -hmm. something like that. Like, mm -hmm. that's what it feels like. Well, you, it's interesting. Weren't you, okay, did, you didn't come into BuzzFeed trying to, like, be a face. You were, like, no. hired as, like, a producer. Yeah. Man, you're yeah. one of the people who, like, Allison and I came in and we were both, right. like, actors and, like, yeah. whatever. And you kind of like, how was it to sort of like be like, I'm hired as a behind the scenes person. And now, oh, my God, I'm accidentally famous. I mean, it was so weird because 
Yeah, I came in as a producer. I I came in just out of film school. So it was working for BuzzFeed was really fun because it was a lot of what I had done in film school, which is just like making silly content with your friends and like just putting stuff out there. But it was like right at the time where people started like video content was like becoming a part of social platforms. So it really all came down to like we had these really small budgets, as everybody knows, and we just like were trying to make fun, silly shit for the Internet. And so we ended up just putting ourselves in, in stuff because we didn't have enough money to hire actors at the time. And it's not, so it wasn't like we were just trying to like and portray like different like, you know, relatable moments, facts, whatever, just kind of just like whatever we wanted to make. And so it was a really weird experience. And I think like me going through it, like I was like, I don't really want to be so much on camera. And that's why we kind of like we're like, let's bring in people who actually know what they're doing. Because like there's a lot of cringy like uh, like like silent camera acting going on you know (laughs) but then people like latched on to you as like a character because you were in like you do you and violet Violet stuff. so like yeah yeah so like what what did you feel like the character was like close to yourself or were you like trying to give a lot of because like you're also in a lot of unscripted videos where you're like sharing stuff about your life yeah I think as we went on like it started to be become really fun to be in stuff and it would felt like it was like being with a group of friends who were just like creating content together and like as time went on like it became more and more fun to be in videos like at first it was so awkward and horrible and like they're like I feel like the first videos I'm in I'm so I think like we like they're not even up on the internet anymore because they were just so awkward like (laughs) but as time went on like I got more comfortable and I realized that it was like a lot easier to kind of convey what I wanted to convey and like just put myself in that position. I think like a lot of the content that I'm in, like it is it's like unscripted stuff. Yeah, totally just me, my opinions, whatever. And I was just having fun, like being in content with people. But then like the scripted stuff, I think I would I would kind of like just kind of play the role that was needed for the scripted content like I'm not a great actor so I'd be like put me in like the easiest type of thing that I could do and I had a lot of fun like I had so much fun um and I didn't expect to like it to grow into what it was and it's not like where I want my career to go but like I'm really happy that I got to experience it well and then similar to kind of the people who started putting their relationships on it. Yeah. Then you started dating like yeah. literally one of the I biggest. I know. People. The, I know. Yeah. So it was crazy. Yeah. I started dating Hannah Hart, who is like one of the OG YouTubers. And we never really thought, I mean, we always would be like, let's make videos together. Let's do something. But like, it's really hard to create content with this significant other. Like we, like in early in our relationship, we would get into like so many like producer fights about like content that we were trying to make. We were like, I'd be like, let's put the lights. It was like always about the lighting or like something and be like the questions. And we'd always get into like bickering. And I'm, I'd be like, who's producing this? You or me? Blah, blah, blah. Like, I just want you to sit there and stay with this. <laughs> so we, we like really struggled to create content together. Like there are people who like do it naturally, but like, I think like anything that we made together, we were like, let's, we wanted to do it. Like we wanted to like have fun and do it, but like, we never really like found like a format or anything that like, we just kind of like put stuff out there and then we're like, eh, 
we should probably like not work together, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, just because it con- conflict. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then it's so interesting because like the scandal that that broke is yeah. like about a couple that kind of shared everything. Yeah. And then people were shocked by like the the man in the couple's behavior. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so like, I know I, I don't want to I, I don't want to seem like an Internet stalker, uh, <laughs> but I know that like. You you and Hannah got engaged. Yeah. Then you had like some mental health struggles yeah. and then you end up getting married. But yeah. like what happened like with like sharing all of that right. stuff? And then it kind of feels like I remember I also felt shitty where I was like, you know, I'd share a lot and then mm-hmm. I would feel obligated to be like, oh, well, I have to let people know that I'm yeah. sort of having this. And Allison yeah. had the same thing with her ex-fiance. Yeah. Like, you know, I feel obligated to how much do I share now that things are going poorly? I know it's really tough. I mean, I think I've all it's I I have a weird relationship with my social media because it's not like I have a ton of followers, but I have enough where I could like do something with it, like create some kind of something like I don't know, like maybe make videos uh, or like, I don't know, like there's I could do something with it. And I've always kind of like peppered in shared stuff. I have fun in store on Instagram stories. I, I like making content for the internet and like I'm alone in my house to like put myself in it. Similar to BuzzFeed, I just got used to it and now I got used to sharing so much and it's kind of a weird thing. But when you are going through something, like part of you wants to share because you want to be like, see, I'm I'm normal. I'm going through it just like everyone else. Like everyone has hard times. Like let's normalize this. But the other end, you kind of feel like that secondhand embarrassment or like shame after putting stuff out. You're like, oh, my God, like I just like told everybody like all my secrets. Like, what did I do? So then you just like I just stop for a while and like delete everything. And then I'm like, oh, God, it's it's such a complicated relationship because I want to still be able to have like creative outlets. But I want to also not be so like the internet having these parasocial relationships with you where they like think they know you and like put like you know different titles on who you are and then when you change that's shocking for people so it's like expectations Mm -hmm. reality constantly Mm -hmm. I feel like we've always been really lucky in that like uh, the way that we've changed people haven't been mad at us about you know (laughs) like I think people are mad at me constantly well (laughs) yeah but for what (laughs) yeah I remember when you guys first like left BuzzFeed and were starting to do brand deals and stuff. I was just so like annoyed at the backlash for you guys making money. Like that was that to me was a weird like that was a weird time where people were like calling people sellouts. And like when you think about now and how much everything is commodified, like that would never happen to these creators today. Everyone's like, get your bag, girl. But then back in the like it was so weird, like you guys had to navigate so much of that, like changing career trajectories and being like, no, we're like trying to make a living. Like this isn't content for free. We also need to like monetize it. And that was like a weird time too, I think. I think it's also just so hard to, you know, like we talk about comparing ourselves to other people all the time. And like, it is rare to have been in a situation where you worked with all of these people at the same place and then you see what happens to everyone's individual careers yeah. and feeling yeah. like, oh, well, I screwed up. Why is it my career where theirs right. is? Or why don't I have right. the amount of followers that they have? And like yeah. lately, I've just been feeling like the weight of like trying to stay relevant. I know. <laughs> it's like exhausting. It's 
I know it's exhausting. I mean, even just like in re- like in regular career type roles, like I have that feeling too, where I'm like, I don't want to like miss the next promotion or job title and like get sucked into like what's BuzzFeed, you know, like there was a time yeah. where you could kind of like get a bunch of job interviews and everyone would be like really impressed. And now it's like way less of that like excitement because there's so many different companies doing similar things. But it's like, yeah, definitely a lot of comparison. But I mean, back to what you guys were saying about the mental health stuff. Like, yeah, by I'm bipolar. I got mm-hmm. um, diagnosed. Me too. In, oh, really? Oh, <laughs> I think I did yeah, see something oh, yeah. about that. And I was like, not like nice, but like, cool <laughs> yeah I also when you you were posting like literally like yeah. from a rehab and yeah. I and you were like talking about being bipolar and I also was like nice but then I was like yeah. no she's in yeah. rehab <laughs> yeah 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 totally totally yeah so like basically <laughs> I think as you like go through becoming adult like certain mental health things start to like become unveiled or like I it wasn't something that like I grew up with my brother's bipolar as well. So there was always this like, kind of like, you know, just like care and tending towards his mental health when I was a kid. And it was something that I always knew about and like had experience with, but I never thought like I would be bipolar too. And then uh, in 2020, it, I just feel like it just allowed, it was so much of an intense time that I like, it like almost triggered, it triggered a manic episode and it was really, really scary. And then I was like, oh, maybe this makes sense. Because in the past, like, I have had some issues with emotional regulation and didn't really understand that. But I was always able to cope with it and kind of, like, work with tools and stuff. But, yeah, I ended up in 2020, I was like, yo, like, I, I'm too old for this. I don't want, like, this drama. I ended up going to um, a treatment center to just, like, get on the right meds, get stable, learn the tools that I needed. And I'm really, I feel so grateful. I mean, honestly, like not everybody can do that because it's so much fucking money. Like it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And I really needed it and it it changed my life and it helped me. But um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a privilege to be able to do that. What weight went into the decision to shift? You were kind of vlogging from the rehab. I mean, I was a little, um, a little manic at the time. So I think that's one of those things where relatable you are posting stuff and you're like, it's just kind of like you have this like void in you and you want to so much connect with people and share. I think sometimes when you're manic and you're like, I have all these amazing ideas and this and that and and you really want to like connect, but you don't realize like how crazy you're coming off. And people were like, yo, like, what are you posting about? This is not okay. And I was like, oh, oh, my God. And then I would get mad and be like, you don't know. You don't know. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's exactly what I that's exactly what happens for me. Exactly. I mean, that's why I have so much empathy for Gabby Hanna, too. I know. I'm like, girl, I fucking get it. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know what her, I, I haven't got, I, I definitely like saw it. It came up on my TikTok. Obviously. I mean, I follow yeah. her on TikTok. So I was like, of course, I do too. TikToks. Absolutely. And I think it was a little like, I, yeah, I felt that. And I just felt so like, oh God, I've been there, you know, like mm-hmm. not maybe the extent of that much content, but like definitely oversharing and like definitely like posting stuff when you really should just be like taking, like taking some time. Yeah, it was a little mm-hmm. triggering, honestly. I was like, oh my gosh, like, 
well, yeah. it, it made me reflect on my own behavior. I think like for a lot of us, you know, it, we're a little, we talked a little bit like hearkening back to the scandal of this week. Like mm-hmm. I think a lot of us were, were, we were so young at Buzzfeed and I yeah. think a lot of us were trained mentally in some way to, to seek that validation online oh, and yeah. to, um, when they're, and to like put things out there and to not, I know I, like I started lacking the ability to understand like yeah. what needed to be posted and what right. didn't need to be posted. And yeah. so, and it doesn't help when you're manic too, no. that you just are rewarded <laughs> just for these types of things not, and not rewarded. Honestly, sometimes like, you know, like I'm sure with like your relationship and stuff, like people were like, oh, they're breaking up. Oh, this yeah. is happening. They're not, you yeah. know, like, or with me, like, you know, I, I kind of lament this a lot and like, it's my own fault, but like, I'm not ever really given the benefit of the doubt. Like I'm one of those people who, for some reason, everything they post is taken in the worst possible light. Like nobody's ever like, Hey, maybe they mean this. And it's like, not actually the worst possible thing it could be taken. And for, I don't know if it's my abrasive personality or whatever (laughs) it is, but people are off. Nobody has ever been like, you know what? Maybe they meant it in this nice way. Everyone is always just like, Ah, this They're is ready what they to meant. jump. They're ready to jump. Ready. Absolutely. Uh, Which like, you know, is kind of uh, there are other famous quote unquote people yeah. who that is that is how they are perceived. And it's just like, I don't know why. Probably like a bad personality. I don't know. But so like they, I mean, so like, like I feel hate, like, you know? Yeah. It, I mean it comes down like when when I was manic and posting a lot on my Instagram, my engagement was off the charts like you know like it's crazy like you get that validation like people want like they do kind of want to see a train wreck they do kind of want to see like they want p i mean this is like you kind of want to see like the dark sides of people it's like a weird fascination and i'm no different unfortunately like i try to be like oh but like i do i like get sucked into into like the dramas of life and i think that yeah like going back what you said like when you're making viral videos for a job and like you get such validation and like job validation, creative validation, and then all of these views and like per- like comments, like it's it, it really is like a huge dopamine rush. Like you're like, I remember when I was producing content all the time, I would be like, oh, I just want to get one more hit, one more hit. <laughs> it would be like a drug. <laughs> like it's crazy. So I think like when you're manic and posting on media and then like people are like it feed into that and you know like I was getting tons of comments and getting tons of engagement not all most not all of it negative like it was really feeding into it and I really had to like I think being in treatment and then when I finally got when I my manic episode ended and I was stable I felt this like immediate like fear like oh my god like I I was living in this like bubble world before where like I was so smart and I knew what I was doing and then all of a sudden I was like I know nothing and I'm scared because I had this confidence that I don't have anymore yeah I was like I need to like take a break from posting and then you're like oh and then and then you you find you need to find other ways to get that validation and it's hard because honestly nothing nothing is the same as like millions of people like liking your stuff like that is a crazy feeling so Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I wonder what it was like for you to come out, you know, like, so I think for a lot of people when they're in a manic episode, they're the people 
directly around them witness that, but maybe yeah. not their like cousins or their friends of friends right. or, you know, but having that social media element, like, were you getting checked in on from people that like normally yeah. wouldn't have even been aware of what yeah. was going on with you? I mean, I think, yeah, I think to some extent, like a lot of my friends and family like knew what was going on and like they knew I was getting treatment and so they kind of just let me be but then I would get like the random acquaintances who would like check in and stuff like that and you know ultimately it's like I think in some ways it's kind of nice to to hear from people and hear like even if it's a curiosity on their part like I still I still was like oh okay that's nice I mean they didn't say anything negative to me so (laughs) you know but it is weird to you share all of that and then and then you feel super exposed, you know, and I still, but at the same time, like, I don't necessarily, it's something I didn't want to hide either. Like, I still feel like being online, creating content, I do get a benefit out of being, being able to be open and vulnerable and live, live that way without like other people and, mm-hmm. you know, who have bipolar, or have other mental health issues have to really hide it for their careers and even for their families and it's that can be kind of a a heavy weight so I also kind of feel like a little bit free in that way yeah I think people want to see either a train wreck or complete perfection exactly and there's no middle ground no your relationship is either the best relationship ever Yeah. yeah or it's a complete mess and everyone wants to see it fall apart yeah yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, then that's the those are the scales that which we <laughs> that yeah. that we we go between um, because you, it's like unrealistic. I think, yeah, it, it's such a weird a weird thing to be like you know putting your real life out there because I think a lot of people put like a persona on social media, and when you put your full life, you're kind of really opening yourself up to that. You know, like ultimately, I am the one putting that stuff out there. Yeah been hard for me to navigate is like my life is not just me so like how much yeah. can I share of these other people that populate my life and like yes and then feeling like well I can't share this because that's not respecting their privacy but then I feel guilty right. that I'm not being completely transparent because I've been transparent about me like you know and it's like so yeah. murky yeah. and having to like realize like oh I don't like it is more important to respect the boundaries of the people in my life than to like share right. everything <laughs> Right, yeah. right, right. Totally. Yeah. No, I feel like I definitely like have changed the way I view content and putting stuff out there in learning better boundaries, like boundaries with myself and with other people, because I think that it comes down to sometimes like a lack of boundaries when you don't know what to share or what not to share. Mm-hmm. And you, you kind of feel like, you're so you're being so open but at the same time like that can be harmful to you and it can be harmful to the people around you so it's like relearning that like I had to really learn a lot I I did a whole uh, a therapy group just on boundaries which was really really great (laughs) yeah it's hard because like my fiance is like a known Mm -hmm. person as well and I and I I talk about us I think fairly authentically and sometimes people are get like they don't like it like the conversation yeah. that Al- Allison and I had a conversation about me stealing Mal's clothes okay. and it was like this is a boundary of Mal's that I break and it's a little yeah. funny and Mal knows it's funny and I know it's funny uh, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. 
in the episode, we said that. And then like, you know, commenters were like, I'm very uncomfortable with the way that Gabby like goes through Mal's boundaries, which like there are things in our lives that Mal does to me that I do to them. You know, like we're both human. We're both imperfect. But like if we don't portray ourselves as like the perfect trans couple or a complete train wreck couple. And we're yeah. just like a normal what, people in the middle yeah. who like argue sometimes and like whatever. People yeah. are like, this is so uncomfortable. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it is uncomfortable because yeah. like we're we're an actual couple. And yeah. like I realized after that, when that got kind of backlash, I was like, oh, right. People in relationships don't either make it look perfect and put out a cookbook or like it's like a complete train wreck. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I 100% agree. I'm also guilty of close boundaries thing <laughs> but I think in relationships why be it, gay if you're not gonna ch- wear each other's clothes I know and we've had so many why are you had, gay then we went we went like to separate closets like whole other thing because I was <laughs> but then I'll be like that is literally my so why is it only a breaking a boundary when it's me but when you do it, <laughs> but it's funny yeah I think that's the thing about relationships because boundaries are flexible like you can like and that's part of growing with a person, like figuring that stuff out. I mean, and if I, and of course, like if it was like a serious real thing, like I'd be like, okay. Mm-hmm. But when someone's like, yeah, yeah, I don't love it when you wear my clothes. I'm like, well, okay. But like the laundry needs to be done. So I don't know what to do here. You know, <laughs> like. It's yeah, because they've we, never, because I think a lot of them have never seen a depiction of like a, just mm-hmm. an average everyday relationship. Yeah. Which I yeah. think putting all of that pressure on it to be perfect is possibly what breaks some people. I think I mean, so. for instance, like in your, in your situation, like how, how did you feel like, I remember, and this is me yeah. again being a stalker. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. remember people saying like about you and Hannah, like they're not going to get back together or whatever yeah. it was. And then you guys yeah. ended up getting married, yeah. which is like so relatable. Like things yeah. are imperfect and like yeah. people work things out and whatever. But you're like a very fit. You suddenly became a very famous queer power couple. Yeah. And there's like yeah. no room for, for not <laughs> being the best possible queers. Yeah. Well, Yeah. So then it was like, well, it was like, if these, if you're bad, you become bad representation in your I know, own life. I know, but it's like, things are messy. I mean, like, I think the thing that's also unique about our relationship too, is that Hannah has been very open with her mental health struggles and her, like her whole life and her whole childhood. And I think what people you know, what th- What they don't understand sometimes is when you have two people that are, like, kind of, like, struggling with their mental health, like, that's, like, its own type of situation. And mm-hmm. either you can move through it and get stronger and learn, or you go your separate ways, and that's okay, too. Like, I didn't know if we were going to get back together. I think that we both knew that we really loved each other and knew that to be together, we really needed to be healthy and our, our best selves. And we, we took a three-month break. Um, which was really hard, but it, at the end of it, we were like, yeah, like we're both working on ourselves. We've built a life together. Like let's continue doing this. And yeah, it's messy. It's not, it's not always what people want to see because sometimes they think, oh, an unhealthy relationship never be together. And it's like, yeah, I hear that. I get that. But if people are willing to grow and change, like let's, do it like that's what life's all about you know Mm -hmm. so I think sometimes like things can be unhealthy and then they can they can change and they can grow so but yeah I was definitely I mean like 
I'm not an easy person to be with either. <laughs> so We're going to take a quick break, but stick around. Does it feel like your relationship now is different than your relationship before the break? Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, like at the beginning of our relationship, because we've been together now six and a half years, we were both messes of people like we would party. And it was a crazy kind of like Internet time where like there was like events and parties and this and that. And like Hannah was doing big things in her career and like. We were just like drinking too much, partying too much, not being healthy, arguing about silly things and dealing with our mental health issues. And it just was like not Mm -hmm. super healthy. And then I think over time we were like growing and changing and in therapy and just did the work, honestly, and just were like, well, you're my best friend. I love you. Let's let's either make this work or it's not going to work. Yeah, but tough. It's been a ride for sure. And I hope one day we could make content together because <laughs> we both love it. <laughs> we both love it. But like we, that's 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 a bridge that still needs to be crossed. Yeah. Like, more than just the one off video because we've gone through that. Now we can record a video together. But it was more like doing a project, like an actual project together that it's, a you know, working with your significant other. That's a, a very unique, unique thing. Power dynamics, mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. And being gay. And those power dynamics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you, when you started dating, you weren't out. So that, I imagine no, that yeah. was also. Yeah, like, not publicly. It was, yeah, not at all. Yeah, it was. And that's so like people are hungry for the information. They yeah. want to know, are you gay? What's happening? You know, yeah. like that was like a whole yeah, fucking yeah, thing. Totally. Yeah, no, I mean, it, yeah, I was trying to figure yourself out too. Like I mm-hmm. wasn't one of those people that put myself in a category growing up. Like I kind of knew that I was attracted to like every type of person just based on who they were. But I, I was always the type, I had like a long-term boyfriend in college, which I don't, I always tell people don't, don't do that in college. Like just be free, (laughs) learn about yourself because you're so young and then you get attached and it's so hard. Mm -hmm. And it was like all of our friends were the same friends and a whole thing. But after we broke up, which was really hard, I, I feel like I remember we were like working together at the time. I was like really going through it. Yeah, I started like just being like, you know what? Like, I'm not going to die and never have sex with a woman. So let's do this. <laughs> and then uh, Death and I dated, or I dated people and and then and then, yeah, I met Hannah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how many BuzzFeed people came out later. I know it's so funny. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, that kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) But you get you get kind of like stuck in these roles of like what Mm -hmm. your persona was or what I mean. Yeah, I think people you're saying like, you know, I think people were upset when I was like, I'm trans. Some people were into it. But there Mm -hmm. is, like, a Mm -hmm. contingent who knew me from BuzzFeed Mm -hmm. as, like, the bi girl. Yeah. And then when I stopped being that, they were like, we don't like it anymore. Yeah, it's people get shocked with when people go through changes and growth. And Mm -hmm. and that sucks, you know, because it's, like, I think that all of this is just, like, 
you know, putting out content, being, you guys have been like really open about all the things you've been going through. And that to me is, that's like kind of the special thing about being content creators is like showing like the different sides to being human, you know, like, yeah, I could, Mm -hmm. I was the bi girl in 2013 and that's no longer me and that's okay. (laughs) But yeah, people get, and I'm not bad at it. Yeah. Well, yeah. people say, do you, how do you feel about, like, people were saying to me, like, do you feel weird about the old videos that there's so mm-hmm. many videos of right. you pre-transition online? Right. And I was like, I don't feel weird. I mean, I'm sure I said some fucked up shit. Please. I'm, I'm like posting mm-hmm. old videos from BuzzFeed being like, this is, this is, I'm waiting. I'm like, go through my shit, please. I'm sure. I'm like, I'm like, oh God, one, I'm going to get canceled. I know it. I, I don't know what I've yeah. said, but I'm sure I've said it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not, I'm definitely flawed. I'm perfect. Somebody was like, somebody made a joke on TikTok being like, they're going to hire private investigators like Scientology to start taking down all the BuzzFeed people. And I was, and I said it about myself, but it's like for everyone, I was like, oh, I don't need a PI. I don't need help. It's come out of my own mouth. I've said it on the internet. You can go back and find a video from any of us. You don't need a private investigator. Yeah, (laughs) I know. So I feel like, but I don't mind the old ones, you know? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, oh, well, that's nice to hear, honestly, because I think that you guys did a lot of really hilarious content and it's just, it's all about, it's all about that. And if you can be okay with seeing the past in, in a way it helps you kind of like grow in the future. But it, it's an interesting thing to be like, to go, to be transitioning and then, yeah, have all this content from before. Like not everybody has yeah. to go through that. Yeah. Well, also like you're like with anyone, not just like, yeah. I'm sure that both of you are like, I have no idea what I said. And it's on the internet and yeah. I was 22 and God help me. I was never yeah. 22 I mean, on the internet. <laughs> I guess I was, but we were, I felt like we were yeah. old at BuzzFeed being like 25, 26. <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think that's what just comes with being on the internet. Like, you know, like you make mistakes. And I think as, I mean, I, I really don't think there's anything that bad that either of all of us have ever said. Like I've, I've watched no, like, a yeah. lot of the content just so in case people start digging, like <laughs> maybe, but like, I don't think so, but maybe, <laughs> but like, I'm like 95% sure we're good because we were all, <laughs> our heart was in the right place. That was what it comes down to, right? Yeah. Like we wanted to like, yeah, put more representation in videos and like talk about uncomfortable things. And like, I'll never forget mm-hmm. Thanksgiving morning when period sex was trending and my family was like, the video that I was in with <laughs> talking about period sex and then they were like oh what's your job and then I pulled up BuzzFeed and was like period sex my face <laughs> <laughs> you know so there's like embarrassing stuff like that like but at the end of the day I think we were just like trying to just like be real show show interesting things have interesting topics and have fun and mistakes probably were made Mm-hmm. I feel like something I struggle with is like with with the with the work that you're doing sort of just being you there is yeah. like this sense of like like me right like even just like and yeah. like this is me at 33 like wishing I was past all this but like you know this past week like Gabby and I both been making stuff about like BuzzFeed and like Gabby's numbers yeah. on TikTok went up like I don't know like 10 10,000 yeah. 15,000 like they have like 30,000 yeah. more followers than me and I'm and I like went up like 1,000 I'm like to John I'm like why do yeah. people just like Gabby more than they like me? You they know? don't. That's not what it is. I'm messier than you. 
They don't like me. <laughs> it's a, I have the problem that you are struggling with, Allison, is that I would say 50% of my followers like me and 50% of them are like, I fucking hate this person, but I must follow them. <laughs> and so like what you're missing is the people who yeah. fucking hate you following you. Bring them in with the mess. But it is like this horror, you know, because it's it's not like, oh, my movie came out and it's like, oh, some people are going to like horror or not. It's yeah. like some people are going to like me or not. And it's like yeah. so and it's hard to like yeah. separate that and to not. Oh, yeah. And then to be in this world of like actual numbers where you can like track it oh, and be like, yeah. it's, it's crazy. And so to like, you know, be that's like this thing that I've always struggled with where it's like Gabby's always had more followers, get, you know, and it's always like, well, but, yeah, yeah. But what about, you know, and having to be able to be like, that's not what matters. Right. Like, I mean, it's, it's, no, it's, no, it's, it's hard. It's human for sure. I mean, I feel that way. Like, I mean, I have, I, I was posting on TikTok for a while, but then I was like, not posting. And I'm like, dang, like, if only I'd been posting, maybe I would have a platform there. And it's like, there is that thing where like, you're used to kind of creating on these social platforms that you're all there is, you're always kind of like wanting to figure it out. And like, what's the thing that's going to work for me? And it, 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 it's a fun challenge, but it can also drive you a bit crazy too. And it takes a hit at your self-esteem. Yeah. Like, I'll be like, okay, I got my word count for my book done today. I did the mm-hmm. podcast. I did this. I did. And then it's like, oh, let me mine a video about my own life that will somehow attract yeah. hundreds of thousands of views. <laughs> like yeah. that's that. Then I'm like, <laughs> it's so funny. We all are so traumatized because yeah. like you're saying that about me, but then I'll look at Kelsey's content and yeah. be like, what the hell oh, am I doing wrong? Shit. I know. So like, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I know. Kelsey so like, like crushing it on all platforms. I'm like, damn girl. But her content is so fun. I mean, her freaking dog. It's adorable. You know? Right, right. And it's just like, it's just um, because I, but I try to fight against it because I think especially the women at BuzzFeed, we were mm-hmm. all very pitted against each other yeah. in a lot of ways, Yeah, which like, I mean, that led to conflict with me and Quinto, yeah. which we had to work out. Like yeah. everyone was sort of like, you know, trying to, trying to pit. And when Kelsey first showed up, I was blonde and bisexual and she was blonde and bisexual. Yeah. And when Kelsey first showed up, I felt like, oh my God, they know I'm on my way out. So they're replacing me. Which yeah. then I had to apologize. I said that somewhere. And then she, yeah. I had to apologize to her for yeah. it. Like, because like, again, I don't need yeah. help. I cancel my own self. But like, so I, you know, there was very like, you're interchangeable. Here's a new one. And mm. so of course we're all trained that way because we're mm-hmm. fucking traumatized. Yeah. No, I, it, I think, yeah, for sure. I mean, and especially that feeling that like anyone, like someone, like the younger version of you is going to replace mm-hmm. you. Like, that's just like, way too common and it's it's super sad that that happened like just continues to happen and it's it sucks it's a horrible feeling and I think like when you when I as I mean as you get older I think you start to see it as like oh yeah this is like a a wider industry problem but when you're Mm -hmm. in it and you're feeling that those feelings like yeah super real I've been like having to remind myself that people in all careers have like ebbs and flows and like, you oh, know, yeah. a person will be in five movies and you don't see yeah. them again for five years. Like, yeah, and then they're in right. three more movies. And like, it is just like, gotta sort of ride the wave and not, um, you know, because I think there is this sense with the internet where it's like, either I'm doing something wrong, like I'm not figuring mm-hmm, out this mm-hmm. algorithm correctly, yeah. or I'm just not as likable, mm. desirable mm. enough But like, there's so many other things at play where it's like, oh, this Mm -hmm, person happened mm -hmm. to retweet this. And then, you know, this Mm -hmm. thing happened to catch on this day. And it's like, you just can't control that. (laughs) 
Yeah. I've also just been spilling tea. I literally put up a video being like, ask me anything about BuzzFeed. And then I've just been saying like whatever. I've just been like talking shit. So like that's what people are interested in. You are making, you know. Drama, I think that, I mean, ultimately it's like we would, at BuzzFeed, we would kind of be obsessed with like the hook or like what, you know, what's the share statement or whatever, whatever. And it's kind of like that, that still rings true in that like when you talk about secrets or uncomfortable things or drama or like you know like there it's interesting like people want to know and and so I mm-hmm. I don't necessarily fault the internet and in feeding off of that but I do think it's something that we need to all be aware of and not like not let it hurt you personally and then like yeah fucking go for it make those videos spill that tea as long as it's like, <laughs> healthy for you as long as it's mentally healthy for you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, this has been so fun. And now I would love for you to uh, play a game show. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> we're, we're back. We're back to little internet games. <laughs> um, so this game is called Hypotheticals. You and Gabby are my contestants. I'm going to give you a series of hypothetical situations. You can ask any clarifying questions you might have. And then you tell me what you would do in that situation. And then um, sometimes I declare a winner. Sometimes I don't. There's no real consistency to this game. <laughs> Almost like who got contracts at BuzzFeed. Okay, moving on. <laughs> real exactly. sick birds coming from Gabby throughout this episode. Uh, don't think, fire, don't think that we didn't catch that cookbook comment. Um, <laughs> our first game is America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? Oh, my God. <laughs> you find out your husband of seven years. You find out your partner. Shut up. Of six, Shut up. You find out. I, we always play this game. It's not based know, on anything. I know. I know. I know. I okay. wrote this before it even came out. Okay. Okay. You find out that your partner of six years. Oh, my God. I didn't realize what I had done for this. Do it. Do it. Do it. Come in. Come in. I swear to God, I did this before. <laughs> You find out I that your it. partner of six years made out with a coworker. <laughs> what? You I wrote this last week, sent it off, completely forgot about it, just you're opened a witch. the document. I don't know. Yeah, witch. you're a well, witch. Well, listen, made out with their coworker, but only after their coworker admitted to putting a love spell on them. Oh, wow. That would be a twist. Oh, your partner a twist. is a big believer in magic. And felt like it was important for the spell to work to some extent, even though they don't even like their coworker that much. Would you forgive this cheater? Here's the thing is that that would be such good plausible tonight. Like, that's like Shaggy's It Wasn't Me. Yeah. Like, I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. no, 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 you don't understand. You don't understand. They put a love spell on yeah. me. I would, so I, would, I mean, I would fall for it. I could get confused. You would fall for it. I, I'm a big proponent of magic. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah, I mean, honestly, okay, here's, here's, I, I think I would forgive them. But if I, if there were any other, like, if that was the only red flag thing, like, if mm-hmm. it was like, no, nothing else had ever happened. They were like, hey, this happened. I made out at a party and a love spell. It was crazy. I'd be like, <laughs> okay, but don't do now, that anymore. What is, now, hold on. Uh, what is their coworker relationship? Boss, employee? Oh, no. Yeah. Both bosses? Both employees? Both employees in different departments. Okay. Yeah. 
both employees in different departments. I don't think I would break up with somebody for making out in general. I think that's yeah. my right? hot take. Me neither. Right? But I was talking to my friend about it because there was that whole like bachelor, bachelorette bachelor drama mm-hmm. where he like made out with somebody. So she ended the engagement. And I was like, why would you end an engagement over a make out? And my friend was like, what? Like, no, I would. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, she had such a totally different take on it. Allison is so chill now. It's crazy. Like, <laughs> I know. I feel like, like Allison is before, so different, you, right? Yeah, that's like a totally, I thought you were going to say the opposite. That's so funny. No, I'm like, I whatever. I don't really. Yeah. Like, I mean, okay. like, I don't know. Like, I, yeah, I feel like making out, like, okay, it just depends on your relationship, obviously. Like, I think I'd be jealous and hurt. But I don't think it's not, I think making out, like, is not necessarily the end of the world. And as long as they didn't, like, have a secret relationship or, like, have feelings for each other. Like, people mm-hmm, can right. just get drunk and, like, make out by mistake. Yeah. Or feel the, or really want to feel the pull of a love spell. Want to keep the, right. the hope alive for magic. Yeah. But then yeah. they go back to their coworker and they say, after we kissed, the spell was broken. And you yeah, actually, it's what, double jeopardy. So you can't yeah. do the same spell again on the same person. Ooh. So we're done here. Yeah. <laughs> Magic. Um, Magic. Yeah. No, I feel like I, 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 the, the thing that is for me is like ongoing behavior. So I would yeah, forgive sure. a one night thing. Yeah. But like if you kiss somebody and then kiss them again, that to me is yeah. worse than somebody having sex once with somebody. Got it. I mean, kissing is intimate. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that is continued is worse to yeah. me than any one off. Right. Like if someone just did like a one night stand, yeah. it's it's better than if you found even if they had never kissed, yeah. if you found like emotional affair texts. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, emotional that. affair texts, like even if they hadn't even made out, if right. there yeah. was some kind of texting involved, like that's where I draw the line. But like making out like. I would feel upset, but like, it's definitely not a deal breaker for me. Yeah. I'm glad we're all on The Bachelor. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. wild stuff. <laughs> really funny that that's the one I had for this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Whoops. Okay. I do sometimes think I have a little, a little intuition, a little psychic yeah. abilities. Yeah. I would buy that. Well, thank you so yeah. much. Okay. Our next one. Are you a terrible parent? Oh, my God. You cheat on your wife with another guy, no. her girl and then you have two kids. Right, Allison? Is that it? Oh, my it? God. I think okay, this what? one is I think this one is uh, me calling myself out. Okay. okay. Your child, 25, has a habit of calling you five to ten times a day to discuss the most minor of inconveniences. One day you are at a knitting convention that you have been waiting for all year. So when mm-hmm. you see your child is calling you, you ignore it for the first time ever. Wow. This leads them to assume you are missing or dead. And they try <gasps> to file a missing persons report while hysterically cry. Are you a terrible parent? Why have you gotten to the to the stage where they do this? By the way, you do this and and my sister does this. My sister, I'm shocked. My sister will be like, Oh, yeah, my oil ran out on my car, so I called dad. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck do you think dad can do from Florida? Yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. Wh- I've called what? my parents from a parking garage in California and said, I can't find my car. And they're like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> like, what are you I've gonna- never, have never had that instinct in my whole life. The fact that, like, people do that, like, I'm like, I would call Mal's dad. Like, yeah. I would, like, 
But I, I would never. I so I think you're a bad parent because it's gotten to that point. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think you could have sh- sent a text, maybe been like oh. at the knitting convention. Don't bother sure. me. But also, like <laughs> my parents all the time. Child- don't answer my calls and then send me that like pre-written text yeah. of like, I can't yeah. talk right now, period. Yeah, I'm I get that a, yeah, from them constantly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm at the knitting convention. Don't bother me. <laughs> I want it on a t-shirt with like a cross stitch. You know what I mean? Like one of those yeah. like grandma loves me t-shirts, but it's just yeah. like at the knitting convention. Don't bother me. <laughs> That's so I mean, I yeah, I, I definitely call, I call my mom for silly things, but not like every day like I'll, I'll if I need some advice but like or to vent a little bit but not the mo- five times a day that's maybe you guys should have some boundaries there okay yeah I it's think about, I think it's, it's all about boundaries I think it's maybe on the parent in this situation that's allowed this yeah. dynamic to happen yeah so yeah I, yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah I think so not so. terrible yeah. but flawed not terrible. Yeah. yeah. It is nice that they love me so much they would file a missing yeah. persons report. Yeah. However, the grow. police are incompetent. So they would be like, we can't actually take this report for 48 hours due to this person being an adult. And by then, I'm dead. So yeah. stabbed with a knitting needle. <laughs> but I will say a, <gasps> a situation sim- like me and my brother used to be so dramatic. Like if my mom was like supposed to like pick him up from somewhere and she was late like 30 not even like 30 minutes maybe I don't know and he called me I was like mom isn't here she was supposed to be here I don't know I like a friend gave me a ride and then we were all like crying on the phone like I don't know and she's like my phone was just (laughs) off and I was in traffic (laughs) so I I will say I'm a little bit dramatic too (laughs) I might file a missing persons report if I didn't hear from my mom in a minute oh my god well, because it's whatever you're used to, right? So, like, if you're yeah, used to your mom thing. being late, then it's not a big yeah. deal. But if your mom's never been late before, yeah, like, then totally. it's scary. That's, yeah. So that's cute. You guys love each other. <laughs> uh, all right, our final one. Would you forgive this liar? You were at a friend. I'm not even gonna make the joke this time. <laughs> Just go. You were at a friend's house when you see a yummy plate of cookies on the counter. You are mid-bite when your friend comes in and looks shocked that you are eating them. When you ask if it is okay that you took one, they say, yeah, yeah, they're just cookies. About one hour later, you start to feel strange. When you mention this to your friend, they act like it's no big deal. People feel strange all the time. 30 minutes later, after you sang all of Dancing Queen acapella for no reason, they admit that the cookie had 10 milligrams of weed. But they thought if they didn't tell you, you might not feel the effects since you famously have never had weed before. Would you forgive this liar? No. 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 That's so nuts. That's <laughs> dosing you. Drugging no. people? No. But they you kind yeah. of drugged yourself unintentionally. No, they drugged you. They should have told you. One, you're a bad person for touching cookies that aren't yours. Two, (laughs) I thought you were going to say that they were actually dog treats and they lied to you. So this is so much worse. No, they are. They have to tell you it's a weed cookie. Although immediately if they see you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. But sometimes on people's first interaction with weed, they don't feel anything. And so maybe they didn't didn't want you to freak out. No, because Allison. I always feel like that's just because they don't know how to smoke weed. So they don't actually like get it. 
But uh, I, I truly right. feel like if you smoked it correctly, you would feel it on your first true. time even. That's true. Yeah. Did you guys ever read Go Ask Alice? No. Yeah. No? This is assigned to me in eighth grade. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, you know, the part where they like go to a party and the party is like an LSD party. And the thing Mm -hmm. is like, there's like, okay, so there's everyone gets a cup, but only one person's has LSD in it. And it's like Russian roulette. And then you drink it. And then I think the twist is that all of them had LSD in them. I I feel like, yeah, they all went nuts. That's fun to me. Yeah, Yeah, that's kind of fun to me. If you think already that you might be doing drugs. Yeah, that's consent. Yeah, 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 you're like ready to go. <laughs> yeah, but I, I just think drugging people, no, bad. Don't do okay. it. Tell them and be like, oh my god, sit down. You're gonna feel weird. Like mm. this, I'm sorry. Maybe you, you should shouldn't throw eat up. random cookies, like especially in <laughs> LA. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay, I really learned something because I thought I would. We were all them. on the same page. I, oh, you would. Well, I, I would understand where they were coming from, even if it was. Mm. I guess it would be bad if they like let me finish the cookie in front of them. But if I had yeah. already eaten the cookie, then I can understand yeah. why they did what they did, even if it was misguided. Okay. Why yeah. do you know all the words to Dancing Queen? Because that... you're an Abba stan, obviously. <laughs> I probably I know all the words how many to Dancing people, Queen. I mean, yeah. Apparently, they were just playing at the Hollywood Bowl. And it, I saw so many people on my stories that went. And I was like, yo, love, you love it. I love it. Let's do this. If I had Mama known, Mia. I would, oh, but I was out of town. You, you would be there dressed as Meryl Streep's character from Mamma yes. Mia. No, I don't do costumes. You know that. You, uh, you don't do costumes, but one year for Halloween, you did dress as the concept of Mamma Mia too. Yeah. That's actually a really <laughs> great idea. I love that. I went as the visualization of joy, of pure joy. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for joining us on Quite a Spicy Time. Where can people follow you and all the content that you do make? Uh, you can follow me at Hey Ella with three Y's on all platforms. I was very, I had a lot of foresight as a teenager. Yes. Um, and you know, I, I sometimes make fun Instagram stories. I retweet stuff about climate change. And one day I might make a YouTube video again. Who knows? Ooh, maybe about climate change. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, whatever. (laughs) The only things that I do that people care. What? (laughs) No, I was just going to be like, I mean, like, it's just sad and scary, but. (laughs) So sad and so (laughs) sure, sure, sure. I should. I should make a video about climate change one day. Tag, Tag us in it if you ever do. I will. Yeah, it'll be more of an account of me just trying to survive a heat wave. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about the fundamental attribution error. Ooh, I bet you can't wait. Just between us, it's time for comics. X X X X X X X baby, baby, baby. Ooh, Melissa, I liked that one. The Thank way you. the light is hitting you right now, you are glowing. Thank you. Are you wearing gold eyeshadow? Mm, I don't. It's like a mix of things, so it might come off as gold, but I think it's more pinks and something else in there. But yeah. 
It looks beautiful. Thank you. An angel. <laughs> oh, we never said why we were recording remote. Uh, we're recording remote because John has COVID. I don't have COVID as of right now, but we're just being extra cautious. He's sleeping in my office and I'm running around shouting that I'm a super dodger and um, immune. <laughs> you're uh, I, you're like, honestly, him sleeping in the office is working out really great. He's going to stay there, in fact. <laughs> yeah, you can regulate temperatures because y'all have oh, different sleeping temperatures. That's true. The first oh night God. we each took a dog where I had Phantom and he had Sugar. And then last night I, I got both dogs. Wow. So, He's in there going lonely. Yeah. But I, I think he so did that because he didn't want me to wake him up when I had to walk him in the morning. But he pretended like it was because the dogs were betraying him. Wow. I like these bits that y'all have going on in your house. Right. We got exactly. a lot of bits happening at all times. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, okay. So what is the fundamental attribution error? Okay. So I'm in social psychology right now. And I'm learning a lot about how humans think and interact and behave. And um, this is a really interesting concept where it's basically like the fundamental attribution error refers to an individual's tendency to attribute another's actions to their character or personality while attributing their own behavior to external circumstances outside of their control. Can you give an example, please? Yeah. So like, okay, you're at the store and somebody is rude to you, you're going to think that's a rude person. They're not nice. Whereas if you're rude to somebody at the store, you're going to be like, well, I had a really hard morning. I, you know, I'm under a lot of stress and nobody knows all the things that are going on that's outside of my control. Okay. I'm the opposite of whatever this is. (laughs) I, I think that I try so hard, in fact, to to extend people this kind of leeway. Like mm-hmm. I'm always the person who's like, if someone's not writing me back, it's because they're pooping. I think that constantly. Now, could somebody like if someone doesn't email me back, I'm like, oh, they must be really st- sick. They must have again. Diarrhea really comes up a lot for me. But like I'm like, I always think if someone's speeding, I'm like, oh, their my wife is giving birth in the backseat. Like I always I well, always great. think yeah, I always think that people are having, but like, then when people are bad people, here's the flip side. Cause then when someone is actually a bad person, I'm like the last person to figure it out. <laughs> like, and so then I get screwed by like people in my past who like, you know, I'm like, well, they had a rough day or well, they did this. I make excuses for people who like, I absolutely should not have been making excuses for. And here I end up uh, burned. So mm. actually, perhaps. There is some benefit to this. (laughs) Well, everything's a balancing act. I mean, I think what's helpful is to the, the, the pause for reflection, right? Even being able to say like, hey, could this be for some reason I don't know about? Just like giving yourself the space for that. And obviously for some people, if every single time you interact with them, they're really mean. Like you you can at certain point be like, well, this might be part of their personality, but Or being able to just say, like, I don't know everyone's full context and context matters so much. And then also looking at yourself, right? Being able to say, like, am I excusing too much of my behavior? Am I not taking accountability for how I'm acting because of certain things? And then also realizing that other people don't know your context, right? So maybe it is important to kind of fill them in. Like, 
maybe you are very valid. Maybe it was a really rough morning for you. So you were curt with somebody in your life, but then being able to say like, hey, sorry, I was this way. This was what was going on. Makes sense. That's the missing step for me. Like, and Mal is so good at being like, why don't you just say that? So like, I, I was late to meet someone and I was so upset, so upset. And Mal was like, why are you so upset? And I was like, well, cause I had a conversation with this person like a year and a half ago. And they told me that they hate when people are late because it makes them feel like it doesn't makes it feel like the person doesn't respect their time. And also we've been having like some weirdness between us and now I'm late to meet them. And I just know this is their pet peeve. And like, I've fucking ruined everything. And I was having a meltdown. And then Mal was like, when we get there, why don't you just say that and just mm-hmm. be like, I'm so sorry. I know things have been weird and this doesn't help. And like, I, I'm going to pay for dinner. And like, you know, I know I remember this about you, that time that like being late is a pet peeve of yours. And like, I'm so sorry. And Mal was like, just say that. And I did was you? like, yeah, I was like, How oh, did my you God, feel after well, I was like, because my thing is to like either make an excuse for myself or be like, well, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I left my well, because I had left my engagement ring somewhere and had to go back and get it, which is a whole other thing. But I was like, but I was like, oh, my God, like, uh, you know, this was out of my control. And like, I this is not my fault or whatever. But instead, I was like, Mal was like, why are you really worked up? And then. Like then then she was like, oh, my God, no problem. Like I just ordered an appetizer and like hung out like it's really no problem. And then I did pay for dinner because we were like 20 minutes late. But I was like, right, you can just say that. Yeah, I feel like I'm the same way as you, Gabby, is that I I give a lot of people like the benefit of the doubt or try to like there's I feel like there's a reason for a lot of things. But then when it comes to my life, I don't I don't like share what I'm going through because I I don't like being vulnerable (laughs) like I feel and then I feel like I'm letting people down too and so I don't like and then I'm just like it's just an I'm just making excuses when like sometimes excuses are the I mean that's the reason why excuses exist you know yeah and I'm so hard on myself like I jumped Mm -hmm. immediately like I jumped immediately to in the car I was like I'm a terrible person I'm a horrible person Like I'm like jumped to that right away. And like with someone else, I'd be like, oh, you know, they're late because this, you know, I'm, I, I am like, I just give them benefit of the doubt. Then to myself immediately, immediately, I'm 20 minutes late. And I'm like, I deserve, I deserve the firing squad. Like what? Since you know that about yourself, have you been able to try to extend more self-compassion? No. Well, Mal's good at that. So like, I'll say, you know, they'll say, what is, what is actually wrong, I'll say. And then that they really simply will just go, why don't you just say that? And I'm like, oh, why don't I just say that? But it's vulnerable to say that, you know, or like I'll be like, Drew hasn't been texting me back as much as I want her to be texting me back. It makes me sad, but like whatever. She, maybe I'm just like uh, annoying her and I'm a terrible person. And then like Mal will be like, why don't you just say, hey, can you text me back more? And I was like, why don't I just say that? Did you say that? Yeah, I was like, I was like, hey, I miss you. Like, can you? And sometimes people don't, sometimes people will be like, yeah, for sure. And then don't do it. Or Mm -hmm. like, you know, you can't be attached to the outcome. But yeah. Well, this topic didn't really work great because I guess neither of you do it, but uh, most people do do it. (laughs) Yes, no, that's what I mean. I think, well, no, I, you know, what's funny is my, my dad will do it. Oh my God. My dad does the thing where he'll be like, 
he'll tell a story and he'll his character in the story is talking normally and the other person in the story is talking like shrill or slow or you know like the other person is an idiot so like it's always like this thing of like of like and then i said very reasonably and then that person was like well i don't know and i'm like is that how they were talking is that how they were talking yeah this is kind of a thing that happens with my mom as well well she doesn't do like voices or anything like that but she does like she makes a lot of excuses for herself and Mm -hmm. then but like gives no leeway to anyone else and we get in a lot of fights about this yeah i mean it's so hard it's such a balancing act that like you know everything i'm learning it's like humans hate to feel like they're wrong or hate to like Mm -hmm. challenge their self-esteem or think that maybe they behave poorly or like not that they're not smart and you know, reasonable and all these things. And so like, we'll, we'll jump through hoops to try to like maintain that image of ourselves, but then like really struggle to extend that same courtesy with other people. Yeah. Like how many times have we met somebody and been like, oh, they're just like really cold. And then you later realize that they were just like shy and you have to get to know them to like see their personality. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, I feel like you, you're a rare person, Allison, who is like, constantly willing to be like yeah I'm in the wrong here (laughs) or like I was wrong like constantly so like people that are like no I was in the right because of x y and z excuse you're always like nah that was on me like (laughs) (laughs) but like also I think people take things personally so not that this person was cold but they'll say or they're a cold person but they'll say oh they didn't like me Mm. When like that person is just sarcastic or dry or or they're coming from like, I don't know, they're to to harken back. They're coming from a funeral like you don't know. Right. Like so because people don't share that, you know, people don't say, oh, I just got back, whatever. But also like you might not jive. You just like might not jive personality wise. Maybe they're very like monotone sort of person. You like warmer people, whatever it is, you'll go. Oh, they, and you say this, Allison, you'll go, oh, they just didn't like me. But then you don't stop to think like, I didn't like them. <laughs> oh, that person didn't like me. Well, maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. Maybe that's just their personality. Maybe they had a bad day, whatever. But also like, maybe you just didn't. Maybe the thing is you didn't like them. Right. Yeah, I'm reacting to the fact that I didn't have a nice time interacting right. with them. Right. So there you go. <laughs> I always do that. There was like some girl that, well, first of all, me and my friends were playing D&D. That's my thing now. You've played once and it's going to be a part of your personality. (laughs) I played once, but I want to play again. Mal and I played with with our new friends and um, they, it's a lot of, there's no structure to, there is structure to D&D, but a lot of it is like talking over each other and improvising. And Mal was like, did not have, Mal was like, okay at it but they were like oh, it's really hard to get a word in edgewise with all these fucking nerds but anyway so they didn't say it like that they didn't say it like that but it was kind of like that and so there was like someone there who was like one of the guys roommates whatever was like being a little cold and I was like you know what like whatever like maybe she was having a bad day or something but then I was like oh I don't have to like her like, yep. <laughs> like why like, I was like oh she hates us she's so annoyed we're playing D&D in the living room but I was like then go somewhere else. Why is that my problem? Like, I don't know. It was interesting. I was like, oh yeah, maybe I just don't, I don't have to, like, whatever. This person doesn't like that we're playing D&D. Okay, but I like playing D&D, so go elsewhere. 
doesn't mean that you have to like change your behavior towards somebody. Like we obviously still treat people with respect, but you don't of have course, to like, genuinely yeah. like everybody you interact yeah. with. Yeah, I was at a dinner this past weekend and there's somebody there that said some things that I just did not like. And I was just like, I don't like this person. I'm moving on. I will not talk to this part of the table anymore. <laughs> and people don't like me. Yeah. And I'm fine. Like, I'm fine with people not liking me. And like, yeah. I don't think that I where I different with Gabby is like, I don't like harbor on things as much like they kind of like I'll do it, say my piece. And then it just kind of like rolls off my back. But like sometimes when I'm just like I see somebody and I'm just like we're never going to be friends. We're never going to like each other. And I'm not the type of person that I'm going to sit here and just have conversations with people that I'm just constantly arguing with. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm not wasting my energy here. I also like what people, that people change. Like I, you know, I don't think Ella would dispute this. She and I were not friends at Buzzfeed. Like you had a closer relationship to her than I did. But then like over time, everybody changes, everybody grows. Like when I got engaged, she reached out to be like, oh my God, I will do, I will give you whatever wedding help. Like I have a planner for you. I have like, was like so sweet. And it's like, if I had held on to the same, like, I'm never going to like this person. But like, obviously like she was going through something. I was going through something like things change, you know, mm -hmm. like, so that is, that to me is like, you know, I'm, I'm so open to that. I'm like, you're probably different now. Which is ter which is funny because like like I have an ex that I hate, but in my mind I I want I so I want I'm like every day I'm like he's probably different now, and then like and but then I'll like hear a story and I'll be like oh he's actually the exact same, but still in my head I'm like if I ever run into him I'm gonna be like you know we were young you're probably different now again like every story I hear is like no he's not but you know one day maybe <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't need everybody to like me, but I don't want anyone to think I'm mean. Mm. Well, I'm I'm out. Do you know <laughs> you think I'm mean? <laughs> I think you're you used to be very cutting. Like you would if you it wasn't mean, but you would just like hit the jugular every time. Like you don't yeah. miss. Like you like, <laughs> well, I, like worked, I worked on that. I don't like that about myself. I know, but so when it wasn't directed at me, it was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> I was like willing to have it directed at me like once every few weeks just for the joy of watching you directed at other people. Because <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> it was so good. You do it sometimes. That's why I like sometimes like when when I was like at that wedding and I was like, I'm going to talk to Allison about how much I don't like this person at the wedding and then I showed you their Instagram and you had a dig immediately. <laughs> That's different than saying it to somebody's face. No, I know it is. You were like trying to make me feel better, which is nice. But I was like, you had you had a you had a cutting to the jugular remark ready. And I was like, this is what Allison's good at. <laughs> Maybe you should do roast. She like should, you should do host roast. A roast. Mm -hmm. I know. I try to lead with kindness, but I I do have a great ability to roast and troll. But you're a very good troll. But the, but the roasting was, I would say that was kind because you were being kind to me. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's all about perspective. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, she don't miss. She don't fucking miss. But then she's like, you have to use your powers for good and not evil. If I wanted to, like, I'm a master manipulator. Yeah. 
Like if I wanted to use my manipulation powers for evil, we'd be all in a bit of trouble. So why don't you get in on our scam that we're trying because to Because I don't want to use it for evil. <laughs> if she unlocks we it. We have to find an ethical scam. There's no such thing as an there ethical, is an ethical scam. There is. You Robin Hood. You start yeah, Robin Hooding. Exactly. But like the two of you are like, oh, like you're up to stuff. Like if I wanted to be up to stuff, I could be up to the most stuff, I believe. Yeah. Try it out. Unlock it. Yeah. Let's see. No. I prove it. And for years prove to, it. to push it down, to lock it up. Tight. Well, I don't I don't believe you then. Gabby knows. I know. I know. Gabby knows I, that I could be really, I could really be, if I wanted to be messy, if I wanted to like do no, stuff. I've seen a little bit of your mess, but not enough to call you messy. <laughs> I used to be like scared of you. <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> Genuinely. And like, and, but I'm just like, I want to be up to stuff, but then, and like, I try, but then I have, then I like, my eye starts twitching. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I give myself away. Like I have physical symptoms. Like I want, I'm like, I'm up to stuff. I'm out here. I'm doing stuff, whatever. And then all of a sudden I have like a sinus infection and my body is like giving me away. I'm the person who like, they'll be like questioning me on the stand. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like that never happened. And then they're like, why is your whole face red? Like, why? <laughs> like, I have no, it's like, ugh, you know. They question me on the stand. I'd be like, I don't remember. Maybe it did happen. <laughs> I'm, always <laughs> like, I'm always like, I can never speak to the police. I will confess to things I was nowhere even near that happened. <laughs> You have a, a airtight alibi. Like you're at the Super Bowl. The camera is on you. Yes. <laughs> I'll be like, maybe I didn't. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'd be like, I definitely did it. And I'd be like, no, I was, you know, I was somewhere else. <laughs> like, just like, they'll be like, why are you convulsing? I, oh, this happens. I, this is how I am. Oh, clump of hair falls out. Anyway. Alyssa could just easily get away with murder. I'm I just think. like, hmm. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> exactly. Well, what do we rate this episode? I will rate it 72 out of 65 tweets, r- regrettable tweets. Yeah. <laughs> I rate it 11 out of 10. Just like, go for it, girly. Just like, <laughs> ask him. Just go for it, girly. I'm going to be such a good, like, gay, gay best friend once I. Once I like get over the, my T levels are in the 500s guys. So I'm about to be a gay best friend. Someone I'm pitching a show and someone was like, oh, you know, like there's not any um, white guys like doing this type of show or whatever. And I was like, I have such bad news for you. I am unfortunately a white guy. (laughs) Like, I know what you meant lady, but also, well, you know, (laughs) there's some problems. (laughs) Anyway. I'll give it 43 out of 12. Gabby casually dropping a Smash Mouth lyric just like and just moving past it and not giving any recognition to it. <laughs> you know, I don't I think, think you even caught it, Allison. No. <laughs> the hits keep coming and they don't stop coming. Back oh my to God. Where I'm running. <laughs> well, thank you to Ella Hart for being our guest. Just Between Us is a Forever Dog production hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Produced by Melissa Diamond Monts. Edited by Coco Lorenz. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Tracy Soren. Brendan Burns composed our killer theme music. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. 
And check out video clips of our podcast on YouTube at youtube.com slash riverdogteam or on our channel, youtube.com slash show. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forever Dog Team to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. Also at Allison Raskin, at She Is Not Melissa, at Gabby Road, Emotional Support Lady Substack, Patreon.com slash Gabby Dunn, and also Allison's book, Overthinking About You. Go and leave a Goodreads or an Amazon review. Um, you can also go to Scribd and see my book, Stimulus Rack. But Allison's, give them reviews. Okay, bye! Forever! Forever! <laughs>